Well, good morning, church. If you would, please open your Bibles and read the book of Mark this morning. Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 as we continue a series that we started last week called B.A. and Beyond. Now, we are defining in five weeks the biblical mission that God has given our church. We so eloquently stated that last week is we exist to reach B.A. and beyond by multiplying disciples to follow Jesus. That when you look to the scriptures, from Genesis to Revelation, you find that God's divine method of effectively changing the world is God through people. Now as a result of that, Jesus Christ, our Lord and King, stands on a hillside and then commissions his disciples to make followers and followers and followers of him until one, they go to be with him, or he returns. So in light of that, you and I are to give our lives to a divine mission driven by the Scriptures to lift up our Savior to reach B.A. and beyond, to multiply disciples to follow Jesus. Now, humbly, uh, some of us in this room really kind of divide up into three categories. One, we have some that you know, we're just not doing that right now. So I want to inspire and encourage you with five truths today from this text to multiply disciples to follow Jesus, to reach someone. We have others here that, that for whatever reason that you just don't know how. And so we're going to be able to give you some practical things that in your home and in your workplaces that you can continue to reach people. And there are some that you are doing this. And so I just want to continue to extend and expand the work of God in and through you. Because frankly, in most churches, it's minimal at best. Most demographers tell us that right about 10%, 10% of all devoted followers of Christ share about Jesus with someone else about once a month. So about 10% of us in this room, we're sharing the gospel, we're evangelizing, we're outreaching about 12 times a year. 55% of all Christians have not shared Jesus with someone else in the last six months. All of that to say, we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work in this not postmodern, not in this post-Christian, but we are now a post-truth culture. Society tells us that truth is relative, it's subjective to your senses or feelings. And thus we got a lot of work to do here. Because the Bible is clear that all truth is God's truth. And in light of that, I want to give you five truths this morning from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, that you'll begin to pray through and implement in your life that you can reach someone for Christ. May we, as a result of what God has done in and through our lives, May we do whatever it takes to bring more and more people in B.A. and beyond to Jesus Christ. With that in mind, why don't we study in depthly this morning, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And your Bible says this. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, My son, your sins are forgiven. God can use anyone to reach someone. See here, these four men, we don't even know their names. But they took upon themselves, they intrinsically knew that Jesus Christ wasn't just this carpenter from Nazareth, that he just wasn't this wise soothsayer, that there was something distinctly about Jesus Christ. 
You see, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus launched his Galilean ministry by astonishing people with two primary things, healing and preaching. The lame walk, the blind see. And then they hear Jesus preach, and they are shocked by his content. Astonished by a a learned man, this carpenter who can work with his hands, yet profoundly impact people with his words. So much so that the Bible says at the end of Mark, in Mark chapter 1, verse 45, that the entire region were gathered around him. So in Mark chapter 2, then, Jesus returns to Capernaum, the epicenter of his Galilean ministry. And Mark, the author of this gospel, now gives five narratives in Mark chapter 2 through 3 to prove once and for all the profound impact that Jesus Christ can have, not just on your life, but all lives. May we, with the same passion, do whatever it takes to reach people for Jesus Christ. May we multiply disciples to follow Jesus. Five truths to that end. Truth number one, use your home to reach family and those around you. Use your home. Look at verse 1. And it was reported that he was at home. Now, the house in which Jesus stays is presumably Peter and Andrew's home, for Christ had taken up temporary residence there, according to Mark chapter 1, verse 29. And so Jesus returns home, the home of Peter and Andrew. And in verse 2, the Bible says that a crowd began to gather They were fascinated by Jesus. However, crowds in the Gospel of Mark rarely commit to them. In fact, there are 38 separate crowds mentioned in the first 10 chapters of Mark. Few, if any, ever wholeheartedly commit to Jesus. In fact, most crowds in the Gospel of Mark actually obstruct access to Jesus. Being part of of a crowd around Jesus is not the same as being a disciple of Jesus. God has been so kind and gracious to teach us this right now as a society. The very fabric that we are a Christian nation is eroding from reality. We've been a post-Christian nation now for years. We are now, as Ives have so stated, we're a post-truth nation now. And in light of that, I still believe that that God has an an incredible plan and desire to to use our country to be a light of the world. And if he's going to use our country, he might as well start in Oklahoma with us. In doing so, we've got to remind ourselves that we have to be faithful in regards to stewards with what God has providentially and graciously given us to point more and more people to him. Now, biblical historians tell us that at the time of this passage, there were probably 75 people in this one-story, one-bedroom Palestinian home. Crowds observe. Disciples move. Use your home to reach your family and those around you. Displaying the gospel is to be the priority of every home. Being intentional about showing and sharing the love of God through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit is the biblical impetus and priority of our lives. 
Think about this. Even in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 28, God formed Adam, and from Adam came Eve. And as the crowning achievement of all of humanity, God placed them in a garden. And he gave them specific commands to go forth and multiply, that they were to have children and children and children, and they were to tell those children that you were made by God to love God. And he gave them specific gifts and passions. They were meant to cultivate and have dominion over creation. And they were to extend God's glory, not just from the garden, but to the ends of the earth. Our homes should be the same. Moses, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7, when he begins to give the revealed will of the Lord through the law, commands his people to diligently teach God's statutes, to keep it on your mind, to keep it on your heart. Let it go before you, let it go behind you, let it be every aspect of your life be shaped by the Word of God. Joshua, in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, and leading God's people to promise, says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Asaph, in Psalm 78, a thousand years before the earthly life of Jesus Christ, said that he was committed to, in his home, declaring the wondrous deeds of the Lord. He would show and display to all who could see what God had done and was doing in his life. New believers in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, after the Holy Spirit had come upon them, gathered in homes around the Word of God, teaching the Word of God, praying through the Word of God, living out the Word of God. They were using their homes to reach their families and those around them. Meals matter then. In fact, did you realize that nine times in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus gathers around people and food. What a Savior, right? (laughs) May we be intentional to do the same. You know, despite what's going on in our country, we're going to eat about three times a day for the majority of us. Are we taking advantage of that time? And are we maximizing it to point people to Jesus Christ? to extend and expand the work that God is already doing in your life. Read and discuss the Bible. Celebrate Jesus in many ways. For my household right now, it's, it's generally a series of questions. And so I'll gather my children and my wife around some great food and we'll just say, hey, what's the best part of your day? We'll just go around and share. Secondly, what, what's the toughest part of your day? Thirdly, how can you praise God today? And it's funny, we've been doing this over and over now, week after week after week. My, my four-year-old can lead this discussion now. We, we can't leave the table and say, wait a minute, I got to share the best part of my day. I think now through COVID, I've kind of begun to focus in some of these questions. One, what, what, what's God doing in your life? And just listen. Just listen to how God is effectually, fervently, and passionately moving or not moving in your family's lives, your friends' lives. What is God teaching you right now? Who have you talked about with Jesus this week? You see, the Lord gathered in a home, and people began to gather around him. And this entire city is about to be changed as a result of four men's faithfulness to get their friend to Jesus Christ. Whatever it takes. Use 
your home to reach family and those around you. I think secondly, live out the gospel daily. Look at verse 2. And he, being Jesus, was preaching the word to them. Pointedly, the word of God. The word of God in Mark is synonymous with the gospel. A disciple, a committed follower of Jesus Christ is to point people to Jesus through their everyday routines. It's just to be a a staple, a foundational element of their home and thus their life. Now, I'll remind you, the New Testament wasn't written yet, so Jesus was proclaiming the gospel to them through the Old Testament. Perhaps he was reminding them through Genesis 1 that they were made by God to love God. But according to Genesis 3, instead of loving God with all that they had, our first parents, Adam and Eve, loved themselves and fell. But just as quick as they were in their rebellion against God, God was even quicker in his rescue of them. Why? Because God is for you. He has a steadfast love to you that will never stop, that will never end. It just simply must begin. And in light of that glorious truth, God himself desires to work in and through you because he's with you, he tells Joshua in Joshua 1, 9. Now what are primary ways in which you can display those gospel truths through your everyday life. That is really the essence of reaching people. Jesus and relationships. The gospel in your life for their life. And connecting those dots and allowing God as he blesses you for you to be a blessing. You see, church, we we can't overthink this. We've got to remind ourselves simply and profoundly that God has worked in us to do a work in them. That God is working in us to allow his work to begin in them. So how can one be a blessing? (laughs) Let me take this this word and this acronym. And let me humbly inspire you and challenge you to reach people. I mean, what does it look like to bless people? Number one, build relationships. Understand clearly that the people that God has placed in your life are there for a reason. They are there for you to pointedly share what God is doing in your life and to point them to Jesus Christ in their life. God meets our needs to point to the ultimate need in and of himself. Build relationships. Understand that that God is putting you by this person day in and day out, week in and week out, year in and year out, to build a relationship, to be a blessing in their lives, to reach them, to do whatever it takes to point them to Jesus Christ. Build a relationship. Now, sometimes, I get it, it takes time. But praise God, he's so graciously given us more time to do what matters most in this season of our lives. Build relationships. Secondly, listen first. You know, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll have the best news and the greatest news. And we'll forfeit the right to share that news because we're not allowing people to first share with us. In fact, demographers tell us that the most effective form of evangelism is not us rehearsing biblical scriptures in a structured way or or even kind of pointedly kind of waiting for these zinger scriptures. I'm not saying, look, the word of God is the foremost because it points us to the God of the word. But really the most effective form of evangelism in any structure is first allowing to listen to others. Allow them to share their hearts, to clear their minds so then you can point them to Jesus Christ. You could take their questions 
and allow the exclamation point of the gospel to truly be the means and ends of their life. Listen first and be a blessing. Thirdly, eat with someone. You know, if you were so pointed and you said, you know what, Lord, I, I, I eat lunch or breakfast five times a week for the most part. And if I were to take throughout the work week just one of those, in a year, I would have the opportunity to share the gospel with over 50 people. Now, if you were to take two opportunities, maybe a breakfast one day and a lunch another day, that's 100 people a year that you would have the privilege of showing and sharing what God has done and is doing in your life and pointing people to Jesus. You're already doing it. It's a means of stewardship, taking what you are doing and point it to what Jesus Christ has already done in your life. And the Lord can allow that and can bless you to bless them. I think fourthly, speak of Jesus often. He has to come up. Look, we, we, we love talking about what we love. Vacations and the summers and our kids and grandkids and work and what's going on and what's not going on and whether or not we're going to have college football and everything else. Let's move on before I get emotional, okay? All right, so do we, there's a lot going on. A lot that we love, a lot that we talk about. Jesus should come up in every conversation. If he's truly who we love most, he should come up naturally, effectually, as a part of your everyday conversations. Speak of him most often. Give him the credit for what he's doing in your life. Give him the credit for his patience. Give him the credit for his blessing. Give him the credit for his love and his faithfulness and his grace toward you and your family. Allow the Lord to bless you to bless others. I think finally, serve others. Serve others. You know, just observe. Recognize people's birthdays. Hey, man, happy birthday. Send them a text, phone call. Hey, happy birthday. Today's a big day. National holiday, it's your birthday. Observe anniversaries. Look, not just their wedding anniversaries, but you know, maybe their, their anniversary of work or a, a big event, a time of blessing in their lives. What's their favorite food, teams, or restaurants? And you know what? Just, just give them a $10 gift card. Hey, here you go. Have a lunch on me. Just want to be a blessing. Just serve others. Allow the gospel to be lived out daily in your life. And as the Lord has reached you, allow him to, to use you, to work through you, to reach others, whatever it takes. Truth number three, do not expect anyone to do what God has called you to do. Look at verse three. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Notice the passion of these men. You've got this single-story home. You've got 75 people around. You've got a friend who needs Jesus. And so these men, persistent, tenacious in their pursuit of Jesus, if they did not take it upon themselves to act, this man would not have been healed. That's Mark's point. Notice the Pharisees in the crowd do absolutely nothing in verse 6, verse 7, verse 12. Nothing to help this man. Why? Because God had placed in these four men's hearts to do it. This is what God had called them to do. They weren't expecting anyone else to do it. Why? Because God had called them 
to do it. And they were bringing to Jesus this man who needed Jesus. That's exactly the point of outreach. Outreach begins with upreach. Outreach begins from its outset. A pursuit and obedience to what God is already doing inside of us as a result of our love for Jesus, as a result of Jesus' love in and through us, it compels us to show and share with others. It allows us to live a life that only gives Jesus the credit. I mean, isn't it amazing what God can do through people who only care about that Jesus alone gets the credit So what is it in your life? What's one obedient step you can take today to point more and more people to Jesus Christ? Faith must be demonstrated. May we take what we love and point it to who we love most, whatever it takes. These four men were not theologically trained these four men had, had, had no significant seasoning in the ways of the Lord. All they knew was that our friend has a physical need that ultimately can only be met by this man, Jesus Christ. And we will do whatever it takes to what God has called us to do. So what is it the Lord's calling you to do? What is it within the the path of our mission to reach BA and beyond to multiply disciples to follow Jesus? That God is equipped and empowering you to do to fulfill this mission. What's one obedient step to do whatever it takes? I think fourthly, reaching people for Jesus consists of a relentless, sacrificial, humble pursuit of others for Jesus. These men weighed through crowds and these men had obstacles before them. Obstacles that were keeping them from bringing their friend to Jesus Christ. And so here's what they did, verse 4. They removed the roof above him. Shockingly, they unroofed the roof. <laughs> they didn't even ask if Nationwide was on their side and they did this. If an opening to Jesus cannot be found, one must be made. Roofs in Palestinian homes were incredibly sturdy structures. They were consistent of dried clay and thatch and mud and tile. It would have taken an extensive effort to demolish this roof, to make a four by six hole so they could lower their friend to Jesus Christ. They had no tools, only a burning desire to get their friend to Jesus Christ. You and I, as we continue to reach people in BA and beyond, we will have innumerable obstacles. We will have ardent challenges. We must remind ourselves that God has already worked in us and desires to work through us to begin a work in them. B.A. and beyond. There will be a zealous 
passion, a pursuit to reach people who are not yet on this hill. To impact and to influence for Jesus Christ, not just the Tulsa metro area, but an entire state of 4.3 million Oklahomans. As we continue to move forward, we must be relentless and sacrificial. It will cost us things that we cannot even fathom or identify yet. You see, who had the greater sacrifice here? Was it these four men who wade through the crowd, who came upon the roof? We don't have tools. We we just got to get this man to Jesus. So probably with their bare hands or something, began to work through this roof. Who had the greater sacrifice? Them? What about the paralytic? An outcast from birth. Man, it was despised, who begged for everything in his life every single day. You want to know how many looks this guy got? Oh, once again? Oh, d- d- are we just, d- I guess we'll move for you again? Oh, what about the owners of the home, Peter and Andrew? <laughs> this spectacle cost them a roof. Who had the greater sacrifice? The answer is all of them. It cost each of them something to get them to someone, Jesus Christ. It is a humble pursuit of others. And can I tell you, historically, we've always been like this. I was so moved this week by a testimony of a man by the name of John Harper. John Harper was an evangelist from Scotland, so much so that though he began as kind of this meager farmer's boy, the Lord had gifted him and saved him. And before you know it, almost all of Scotland knew of this man. So much so that he received a telegraph from the Moody Church in Chicago, the largest church in the world, and said, we have heard about what the Lord is doing in Europe. Would you please come and share what God is doing in and through your ministry to us? And so he got on a boat. As he began to travel on the Atlantic, on April 12th, this vessel struck an iceberg, and the Titanic began to sink. And months later, in some region of Canada, a man began to tell a story that I am John Harper's last convert. And he tells the story that as the Titanic went down, that literally they were thrown to and fro all over the Atlantic. And in the midst of the night, he saw and heard this man swimming from wreckage to wreckage saying, do you know Christ? Have you given your life to Christ? Repent of your sins and be saved. Ultimately, this man worked his way to this individual. And he said, have you repented of your sin and placed your full faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin? And right there, this man accepted Christ. And John Harper went into the night in the Atlantic. And he tells this crowd, I am John Harper's last convert. And many of them that day accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Can I tell you that that is what God is asking us to do? That you and I, by faith, are to just be people of faith. And are to go out and to share the good news of Jesus Christ. What he has done and what he is doing. And many will not do a thing. But some will accept and receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And that one may reach a hundred more. 
who then may reach 10,000 more. For the only thing better than seeing one person reach for Christ is the next person reach for Christ. May we do whatever it takes to reach someone else for Jesus Christ. Why? Truth number five. Are you ready for this? Because Jesus changes everything. Look at verse five. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. You see the word faith there? Underline it in your Bible. It's significant. Towards the first time the word faith appears in the Gospel of Mark. It is tied closely to these four men actively trusting the miraculous power of Jesus Christ. And he saw their faith. And he said to this man, son, your sins are forgiven. If Jesus were to see our faith, as thousands gathered as First Baptist Church of Broken Arrow, what would he see? All we know about these men is their positive, selfless, active faith. We don't know their names. We don't know their backgrounds. All we know is that they actively and selflessly and tenaciously got their friend who had a need that could only be met in Jesus Christ. And did you hear what our king said to this man? Son, your sins are forgiven. It must have shocked the crowd. You see, a paralytic man in Jesus' day would have been seen as unclean and thus unworthy of blessing, unworthy of conversation or anything in society. This man would have begged for everything every single day in his life. Food, water, clothing. And Jesus describes him not as outcast, not as a paralytic, but as a son. Your sins are forgiven. It's a shocking term of endearment. May we be careful and passionate to see people as God sees people. And as the world may see one thing, the Lord sees them for something else. For sees them for not just who they are, but through who he can effectively change them to be. Only Jesus can take what the world sees as worthless and make it priceless. So who's your one? Who's your one that God has placed in your life? Maybe it's a family member or a co-worker or a neighbor or a friend. Who is it that just keeps showing up that, that just as God has reached you, that he desires to reach them? Who is it as we walk at our and do life that you will by faith say, Lord, I will do whatever it takes as we reach BA and beyond to multiply disciples to follow Jesus. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? God, it is our desire to do just that. Father, it is our desire to be faithful and thus to live by faith 
Father, to trust you and your word above all things. Father, to allow your Holy Spirit to empower our lives to show and to share Jesus and the good news of the gospel. Father, may we do that in our homes and in and by our lives. Father, may we take ownership of what you're calling us to do. Father, may we be selfless, relentless, and humble, knowing that your Son changes everything. God, may the joy and truth of that so overwhelm our lives that it empowers our lives to do what you're calling us to do. May we always be a church that says we will do whatever it takes to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, perhaps you're here this morning and you're in need of a love that never ends. A truth that always transforms a God who will never leave you nor forsake you. And the Bible is clear that though the wages of sin is death, doing things our way will not end how we think. Will end in separation from the very things that we're desiring most. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. But if you are here this morning and you say, I am ready to repent of my sin, to change my mind, to change my life, to place my full faith and trust, not in what I do, but in what Jesus Christ has already done for me. And I desire to live not for myself, but for God, His kingdom, and His way. If you're here this morning, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, would you just raise your hand right now and say, I'm ready to commit my life to Jesus Christ. Just raise your hand right now. Straight up. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? I'm ready to give my life to Jesus Christ. Anybody else? I'm ready to give my life completely to Jesus Christ. For those of you watching at fbcva.live, you'll just simply type Jesus right now in the comments section. We have a staff member ready and available to talk to you about what a relationship with Jesus Christ looks like. Just J-E-S-U-S. Type it right now. Anybody else? Maybe you're here this morning and, man, the Lord has placed someone on your heart. A friend, a family member, a neighbor, a co-worker. And now you've been equipped, challenged, prayerfully inspired to reach this person. Step out on faith to show and share about Jesus. And you know what? You just need some prayer. Would you just raise your hand right now? Pastor, just pray for me. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, young family. Praise God. God bless you, ma'am. Anyone else? Pastor, just pray for me. Pray for me as I show and share about what Jesus has done and is doing in my life. 
God bless you, little one. God, we do entrust all of these things to you. And God, as we walk out of here and do life, God, continue, Lord, to keep us in your word. Father, to keep us prayerfully on our knees. The Holy Spirit, empower and inspire, Lord, to allow us to share the gospel of what you've done and what you're doing in our lives. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you to be a part of your family and your church. And all God's people said, amen.